Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Professionally Fit Radio. Professionally Fit is dedicated to female entrepreneurs and executives who are soaring in their fields and in their enterprises while still maintaining their health and wellness. At Professionally Fit, we help you to identify the direct correlation between your health and your career. Welcome to the show. I'll be your host and Professionally Fit founder, Miss Lisa A. Smith, joined as always by my super dope co-host, Miss Get Fit with Jay. Is health only reserved for those with wealth? Are you more likely to receive a higher quality of care if you have more resources, not just money, but time and connections? Are people in lower socioeconomic communities more likely to die from preventable diseases and illnesses and health risks? And is it because of their education level, literacy level, and income bracket? We're talking about that and more on today's show. But first... Wait, what? Wait, what is our segment where Jay and I identify something we either saw, heard, or experienced in the last week that made us go, wait, what? Okay, so I'm at Walmart today, right? So I'm looking for Morgan some socks. And um, the way the aisle is, it's like, it's some, you know how it's some things that are kind of like, they built they built the wall to put things on. It's not like a wall wall. But it's a it's something that stands really high, like in the middle of a department store, like yeah, a wall they a, a special display for an item. Yeah. Okay. So this wall had lots of socks and light, and it was it stood like, you know, eight feet tall with socks and underwear and stuff like that on the wall. And then so to get to the socks and things, mm-hmm. I had to get really I had to go through um another like a really tight aisle. Mm-hmm. Where I made the mistake was I took my basket. Instead of leaving my basket on the outside, I got I brought it into this really tight aisle. Okay. Where I should have just left it um, out of sight of it because it was some clothes hanging on these um, hangers. And so it was like a really tight squeeze to bring this big basket. Okay. So I get done looking. I grab some socks, and I'm, try- I'm bagging out of there. And the worker comes up to me, this older lady. Um, she's like an uh, older white lady. She's about 60, maybe 60 years old. Mm-hmm. She's like, see, see, that's what I'm saying. People, people come over here, they knock the socks down, and they, they bring their baskets over here. She was like, you see all these socks and stuff on the floor? I spent all day um, putting these socks on the, um, on the display. I spent all day putting this stuff up, and people just, you see what they do? And I was <laughs> like, clearly you're talking about me too, because my basket is in here. Right, right. And I was just, I was just stunned, speechless. And she was like, See, I'm just going to have to make it where I'm going to have to put some racks over here where people can't, um, bless you, where people can't bring their uh, basket over here because they, you see, I spend all day. And then, so as I'm just looking at her crazy, another worker comes over. Okay. And she starts ranting to her too. Like, you see all this, you see how people bring their, you see all these, because it was, it was like about eight packs of socks on the floor. Okay. People had knocked down, didn't pick up. Yeah, but my thing was, and it was so funny. It's so funny how you manage your mornings and manage your, um, the way you do things because she couldn't make me mad for anything. It was so amusing to me to watch her. (laughs) I'm like, lady, I'm just thinking like everybody has something with their job. Yeah. This is the, this is the annoying part of your job. People knock down socks that you, you, you think you're just going to make a nice display and you're just going to have to stay that way for eight hours. This is one of the things about your jobs you don't like, like get over. I was just looking at her like, wow, it sucks to be you like to get that bothered. 
by something so small. Yeah. You, because this is not the first time. It's not going to be the last time. It's not going to even, as long as you work here and this is your job, you're going to deal with this. I'm sorry. A hundred percent. I don't care if you block it. Somebody is going to unblock it. It's not like you're going to have a barricade. It's going to have to be made where somebody can just come and get the socks. So it's going to have to be some leeway. And people, kids probably pulling it. Like, lady, deal with it. But she was so. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, hey. You know, that's so funny because, you know, when I'm in a store, especially a grocery store, and I decide I don't want something in my cart or I'm going to take it back, I, I consciously don't sit it on the sh- just throw it on any shelf anymore. I try and walk it back to where I got it from. Um but you're right. It's just a part of the job because I remember oh, I was in D.C. two weeks ago at the RISE conference. And one of the things one of the speakers was talking about is like, you know how people say if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, you know, she was just debunking that saying that, you know, even if you do what you love, there's going to be aspects of your job, you know, or your work that you don't like. And she said, those are the parts that are work. The part right. you don't like, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, because I do what I love, but there's different, definitely aspects of it that I could do without. So right. you're never not going to feel completely happy in every single task. And so, and it's funny how we expose ourselves to things like that, philosophies like that, ideologies like that. And like, we know that because I would have thought that too, like, hey, this, this is, is just a part of, yeah. you know, you got to deal with it. But I also um, think it was even the way I started my morning. My morning started off with meditation, extra journaling. It's, it, had I just hit the ground running, she may have, even with me knowing that. Right. May have gotten it a different It would have went jet. out the window. Yeah, right. like, no, not not today, sis. Not right. To, not not at all Would have made a snappy comeback or yeah. something. Or, but, yeah, she, but, but it was so, it was just, like, humorous to me. That's funny. We should do a, a show about mastering your morning, too, because we talked about it extensively um last year but i think it's definitely time to bring it back and talk about how the importance of how you start your day makes a huge difference um in the rest of your day and even how you treat people treat your family and treat yourself so that that's a really good lesson my way what sparked the idea for today's show does wealth equal more or better health so i was listening to an interview with damon john the founder of fubu and who's also a judge on shark tank And he was talking about a recent health scare that he had where they found um, stage two cancer. Wow. In his, um, they found stage two cancer in his like thyroid, I believe it was, uh, nodules, right, you know, in your throat area. And he was like, what's funny is what happened was I was talking to a friend of mine who just happens to be a billionaire he said, and he wasn't having any complications when he was talking to his friend, though. He wasn't having, like, pain or stuff going on with his body. They were just having a generic conversation. Okay. And he said, his friend said, his friend said, um, have you ever gotten an executive physical? And he said, wait, what? What's an executive physical? And he's like, it's basically this thorough examination of you, like all types of blood tests and all cardiovascular tests, and just like through and through everything you can think of, they test. And, and you know, Damon was like, No, not only have I not had one, I've never heard of it. Right. And um, an executive physical costs $10,000. And so he was like, So, of course, I jumped right on it. 
right? He's like, I went and had the vet, and they did all these tests, and that's when they found the nodule. And, you know, the doctor did surgery, took it out just to be safe, and turns out it was stage two cancer. He was like, they did the surgery. It was super seamless. I was right back to work the next day. Like, it never, the cancer never affected me. I never felt sick and then whatever. And it was because of this executive physical. Mm -hmm. So my way, first of all, what the, in the devil (laughs) is an executive physical? Physical, it's Jack. crazy because I thought about an executive physical so many times and never knew it existed. I've always wanted something really to just run through my body and because you always find out can you have cancer from a symptom. It might you know where I'm always thinking about not being sick. I'm like, right. how well, I want to know if I'm sick without symptoms because usually when the symptoms come, that means you're further along when, right. they, when they show themselves and they present themselves. Yep. So although I never knew an executive physical existed. Was a thing. That's what you want. That's what I want. Ideally. <laughs> yeah. Right. More preventative health. Yeah. Like, okay, go and, and before, you know, blood starts coming out and now you're on stage or before this big lump, now I can feel it outside of my breast. Like, right. No, go deeper. And now it's spread. Exactly. And I'm having all these complications. I'm with you a thousand percent. Like, what's available to those of us who just want to be preventative and want to catch these things early on that the right. average, typical, low-budget physical, I guess, might right. not catch? And I, I was floored. He And, you know, and Damon John talked about in this interview, he's like, you know, you know, the average person, he was like, okay, I'm, you know, 99% of people can't afford to pay 10 grand for a physical, you know, hands down, of course. And, but him, and so when I talked about in the intro about having resources, it's literally not just money. He was in the group of people that was able to tell him about it. You know right. what I mean? He was in that crowd that he had that connection with somebody he, who could tell him what resources he needed to tap into or should be tapping into was like investments that, you know, those of us will never even know about Mm -hmm. unless we're running in those circles. And so hell, I mean, wealth literally gives you an upper hand for sure. And so girl, why did I go? I'm like, you know, what does an executive physical include? Of course you had to find out. You know, I had to find out because I'm just like, wait a minute. I'd have been mad if you didn't. Because I don't had a physical. Oh yeah. And it would have take all the, how many minutes you think? Oh yeah. Five. Maybe five. You being generous. <laughs> five yeah. minutes. You know, oh, we're going to take your blood pressure. We're going to take your weight. You know, we may take your blood. You know, we're going to um listen to, you know, your heart. And yeah. we're going to roll our fingers around your belly or mm-hmm. your breast and look for lumps or anything out of whack or any pain. And you're out of here. You seem fine. That's a typical physical. Yeah, for sure. Um, and don't seem healthy. Don't even do don't that. Don't come up. Don't you come in. You might get a pat on the back and yes. say, you look good. Then take your blood down You the look hall. good. Um, if you eat plants, you smell good. <laughs> Shout out to last week's episode. Uh, so I think you're good. Right? And so you're not on any medications. You feel fine. You're right. Like, you, for the average person, their physical is what they tell the doctor. Exactly. Isn't yeah, that something? For sure, yeah. So I was looking up an executive physical. <laughs> I'm going to read some of this. Of course, it's a lot of medical jargon, but I was just floored on me not even knowing what most of these procedures are, let alone having access to them. Um, so services include, and this, from, this is from UCLA and the executive physicals that they offer at their hospital, um, a thorough extended physical examination with an internal medicine specialist whose focus is on disease prevention and or women's health, 
A comprehensive laboratory testing including blood count, chemistry panels to assess organ function, urinalysis, and cholesterol screening. Okay. Cardiovascular assessment including ele electrocardiogram and one or more of the following based on your doctor's recommendations. Cardiac stress echocardiogram, coronary stress myoview study, resting echocardiography, electron beam coronary CT scan, cardiopulmonary exercise testing, advanced cardiovascular blood test with cardioid thickness scanning, um, eye examination with refraction, intraocular pressure measurement, a hearing screening, a body composition test, a pulmonary function test, personalized nutritional counseling, a colonoscopy if needed, a comprehensive written report of the evaluation sent to your home. And that's the short list. That's what 10 grand will get you for a physical. I'm speechless. Speechless. I was so floored the gap between the us and them is so huge and what's so interesting is the gap between us and them and not them as in the people you're talking to but the like very poverty stricken people is big like they're looking right. at what we get versus um how we're looking at what they get because i remember when uh when uh, Ramirez lost his job, mm -hmm. and I wasn't work, we were. I had to do use Medicare. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter wears glasses, and so I was so used to Blue Care Network uh, to get her glasses. So I go to get her, uh, you know, use her Medicare at the her eye exam and stuff. And so they uh, do the eye exam, and of course she wears glasses. So they take me over to the the case, you know, where all the glasses are, mm -hmm. and I'm like. Mm. I'll take the purple ones. That's her favorite color. They were like, oh, no, ma'am. We have a box that you can pick from. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Uh, not the, the ones in the display case. No, no, no. You, no, you, not those. <laughs> <laughs> Why they took out, like, it was like, it's almost, think of a, a wood bread box, but bigger. Wow. With the glasses I could choose from on Medicare. Th was, this is what's reserved this is for your for kind. You. It was like, what? I was so used to like juicy couture glasses and just wow. I was like, oh, I tried not to be sad. I was so sad. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is for you. Like, why can't we get access to the the nice frames? Money talks. It, it costs. It costs. Oh, it costs. Gosh. Even though it was the frame, not the prescription, but it was still like it was such a slap. A huge slap. That is crazy. Yeah, so, but an executive goal. An executive physical. Goals. Goals, 100%. He's like, 99% of people can't afford this. You know, although, you know, we'll spend money on expensive material things, you know, a lot of people, you know, invest in, you know, Gucci, Birkin bags, name brand Coco Chanel. A lot of people have, you know, obsessions with these names and these high-end items. Um, how much did that one girl at your old job spend on a T-shirt? Uh, $300. $300 on a t-shirt. You know, so at the end of the day, it comes down to priorities too. Because we'll, you know, take some cash and blow it on something that we deem valuable that essentially actually loses its value as soon as we spend the money. And I'm not saying that $300 t-shirt is up there with a $10,000 physical. But we claim we don't have access to some stuff, but we also don't money manage our money in a such a way where we maybe one day have that access. Right. Some of us don't. Well, as soon as you presented this topic to me, I immediately thought about social influence, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
you know, depending on your income level, is your your influence is different. The, the, your grocery stores is different. What's around you is different. The way people think is different. The grass is even looks different and, and greener when it's... So, of course, a person, you know, we want to present well. Yes. When people do get a little money, they rather present well because yes. that's, all, that's all you know. And then I was just even thinking about my own situation where... I feel like like uh, Tajma said, I, I made it. I, you know, I got, I, I'm free. I, I escaped that mindset, that uh, McDonald's, Burger King mindset. It, but that wasn't easy because my surroundings and my environmental fluence is not that. It's not this. It's not this plant based life. Right. It's somehow like that guy that made it out the hood, and he's a a doctor, or a lawyer, or an architect, and, and everybody else is still and statistically you know, still he was never supposed to have a chance. Yeah, statistically, I would I should have never had a chance to be a plant based vegan because my surroundings was never that. did not speak to that. No, the, your surroundings did no. not tell you anything other than no. fast food and junk and yeah. And then my mother didn't become a vegetarian until I was in my thirties, uh, so that influence was over. Right, you know, and it's just. I could easily have the excuse of, I grew up like this. Right, my environment, my culture. Yeah, and that's yeah. what most people's excuses are, and it's a realistic excuse. It is. It really it is. It really is. It's not an even. It's a reason more so than an excuse. Right. The way we grow up and our influences and what everyone else is doing um, around us is the norm. It's so the why norm. would I think I should eat a plant to save my life? Like what? That doesn't even. Right. You know. So then that goes to. The education, this is the school system, what they have in their lunch. Because I remember you told me even in China, like the lunches were so different than what we have. Like it's just so many factors. There are a lot of factors. And we're going to talk later about um, the, you know, our role in it. But let's just continue to talk about for a minute the disparity in the resources that are provided. Because, you know, I was thinking just exactly on this topic when you and I went out to um, brunch one Sunday and we went out to a suburban neighborhood mm-hmm. and I think it was Farmington Hills and how um, <laughs> you were laughing at me, but how angry I became in the car of us pulling into that shopping center or whatever. And the, like five out of the 10 or 12 stores that were there were dedicated oh, to hell. a fitness, mm-hmm. a, a sport. Yeah. And, and that's when you say, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Because right. did y'all put it in this suburban neighborhood because and we ca- didn't appreciate it in ours? Right. Or did you put it in their neighborhood? And, and force us not to appreciate it. Not to, yeah, yeah, because we put it in that parking lot and there literally was a store for tennis, a store for cycling. There was a store for hockey. There was a store and there was a general like Dunham's or something. That, and so in these other communities that have higher incomes, they have businesses they have running groups. They have marathons and events going on in their communities that are dedicated to health and wellness. Mm-hmm. But just the presence of a store dedicated to hockey, right? Right. Because their kids are in ho- hockey or golf or swimming or tennis. Um, but if you come down to the city, if you come down to Detroit and go to one of our shopping plazas, you got Meyer, you got Applebee's, you got a five below or a dollar store. Mm-hmm. You have um, discount stores like Marshall's and all of those, TJ Maxx. 
but you don't see a store dedicated to cycling. You don't see a running fit. You know, you got to go out to West Bloomfield to get a good pair of running shoes to get mm-hmm. your foot properly fitted for a good running shoe. You can't go on seven mile or eight mile and get that. And so like, yeah, what came first, the chicken or the egg? It really upsets me to think that you have to make a certain amount of money to be able to afford housing in a certain community for health and wellness to be a core value, to be represented as a core value in that community, regardless of what your personal core values are. Right. And also, you know, with just being plant-based myself, the the amount of, I realized at going on four years of um, being vegetarian and now vegan, I'm actually tired of the same old, the same old story being, it ain't that serious. And like, I'm literally tired of the same old rhetoric rhetoric and the same and, and, and not anything being absorbed. Like, why don't you want to absorb any of my knowledge? I'm not just shooting from the hip here. I'm not just making up something. I'm not. And, and, and even if I am, why won't you even just take the time to even listen? Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've never been in a different circle. Like, you know, I've been the only um, black woman and in the the rest of the crowd is maybe a different race. Would they ask to say? I don't know. Right. Would they be just as um, eager to shoot down the 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 ideology? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Right. You know, but I know on this side, people just don't, they're not receptive. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and all we have on our side at this point is prevention. That's it. Because once you get ill, we don't have the resources to battle the way when you have a lot of resources. Yeah. You don't have the technology. You don't have the money for the prescriptions. You don't have those those um, specialty doctors like that. You don't have a lot of things. Nope. I remember seeing a documentary this lady's husband she was going to bat for him so hard because there was a particular cure for what he had i mean they were going in front of board members they were going in front of the head of the the head they had the head of the hospital sitting at a table with the doctors and everybody was that sicko Yes. yes, on YouTube, yeah. 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 If you and guys get a chance, yeah, watch actually. Sicko on YouTube. It's a really good documentary, but go ahead. Yeah, and, and I don't think he got it. I don't no, think they, it. They, they turned him down. His brother was going to give him a kidney, which would have helped him live. I think it was a kidney. His yeah. brother was going to give him a kidney, um, and but the hospital had to approve it and because the, the insurance company had turned him down, so she went to the board, I think, of the insurance company or something. Yeah, something like that. And they that. called it experimental. Like, basically, there's no guarantee that it will work, so we're not going to pay for it. And they couldn't afford They couldn't afford they the couldn't surgery. Afford the and surgery. he died. And wow. And, you know, it's funny because um, the there's a show that comes on Netflix called House of Cards. And the, it's a show about politics and presidents. And the president in the show is the actor Kevin Spacey. And there was one episode where uh, Kevin Spacey got shot in the stomach and the abdomen and he needed a liver transplant mm-hmm. and you know he's the president he needed a liver transplant mm-hmm. but of course the way um organ transplants are supposed to go there's a list that you mm-hmm. have to be on and you have to meet mm-hmm. a certain standard to be moved to the top of the list and there was a guy ahead of him right mm-hmm. there was a guy whose life was on the line i think more than his and so Kevin Spacey's chief of staff in the in the show went to the head of um, the health department and basically threatened her to move the president up to the top of the list for the next person in line to receive the liver. And 
you know, she's like, that's against the law. I'm not supposed to do that. It's, it, it doesn't, it should, it's not supposed to matter what your status is or your income level. I cannot move the president to the top of the list for this liver. Um, this other guy is ahead of him. And uh, Kevin Spacey's chief of staff obviously ended up threatening her life, doing all this stuff. And she ended up giving the president the liver and the other guy died. And it was just a whole show that was, you know, just ethically disturbing. And, you know, I was reading about, whether or not that was really possible. Mm -hmm. Because what I was thinking about recently is how much value we place on certain people's lives. Yeah, definitely. The When you join the Secret Service, especially if you're protecting the president, you literally make a vow that you will die for mm -hmm. this person. Yeah, for sure. So we're inadvertently saying that their life is more, more important. Valuable, yeah. Is that ethically disturbing or is that just like we're so used to that's we're, what it I'm is? I'm just used to it. It doesn't shock me at all. Just like a person with um, AIDS she, or HIV, she was on Oprah's show. And um, Oprah was literally, I couldn't believe Oprah was this naive. She was like, but, you know, HIV and, and AIDS is, I mean, it's so manageable now. She was like, look at Magic Johnson. That's the, what uh, Oprah said? Yeah. The okay. lady was like, she was like, I get so angry when people compare me to Magic Johnson. She said, I... Don't, please don't compare me to Magic Johnson. I do not have his money. I do not have his help. I do not have his, I mean, like, he's basically, he's diagnosed, but come on now. Come on now. Come right. on now. Right. We all know. He can go to any country, see any doctor, whatever yeah, needs to be done. she was like, trust me, he doesn't have any of my issues because I don't have any of his money. Like, it's no comparison. Money makes a difference. Money makes a difference. It really does. And that's really sad. Um... There's supposed to be a limit on how many heart transplants you can have. And a billionaire mogul, he passed away about two years ago, but John D. Rockefeller. This fool had seven, allegedly, seven heart transplants. His last one was at the age of 99. It was so illegal. How, he a billionaire. But technically... He was not, at that age, he was not supposed to get another heart. He kept going through these hearts like they was water, water bottles. Like, how you just destroying every heart you get because you can? And allegedly was paying to get moved to the top of the list every time, skipping over young people, skipping over people that were more critically ill. And he wow. had seven heart transplants before he passed at the age of 101. And his last one was at the age of 99. It's insane. I don't care what anybody says. And I was reading about the transplant list. Like, do people, can people literally, the well-off, you know, or hold a certain social status? And it was like, no, there's algorithms yeah, in place right. where doctors can't even see who the people oh, are. Yeah, okay. And it's just names. And the, the doctors are only allowed to put in their patient's information, but they can't, you know, go through the less, list. And it's highly monitored by this board. And, and, and I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely There's no, no way. way. I don't believe There's it. There's corruption in everything. There's corruption in everything. I do not believe it. And But it's really, really scary. And I got to, you know, I was venting to you recently about how sad I was feeling as I'm embarking on this new project because at Professionally Fit, you know, we've kind of upped the ante a little bit and we do executive coaching now. And I was like feeling like, wow, am I leaving the small guy behind? Yeah, because we cater to female entrepreneurs and executives. We cater to people who run companies. We cater to people who have audiences. We cater to influences. Um, 
I don't even know if it's wrong to say that we care to people who have things to lose. And I don't and I don't want to minimize anybody by saying that. But is that what what society does? Do we cater to people who And I don't think it's just um your your money. I think it's also you know, of course race. And you know, there's people who literally have died in the lobby because they blew them off. They blew them, didn't take them serious. Yep. Yep. But I know that if it was another race, that would not have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, um, you know, our babies die, I think, double times the rate. Black women's baby died double times the rate of a white More woman. than double than, uh, yeah, um, our white counterparts. Yeah. Infant, infant death, yep. Yeah, so it's not just race. I mean, it's not just money. It's, it's, it's definitely race as well. Right, yeah. Yeah, so the only, I mean, I hate to, to, to make it so simple. I really do hate to make it so simplified. I wish I had something more clever and something more to say than prevention with your diet and exercise. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, I'm going to switch real quick to talk about, you know, how we do it to ourselves because, yes, you know, we aren't offered a higher quality of care. Like, for example, a Ivy League medical physician graduating from an Ivy League university just ain't gonna come and work in a low-income neighborhood. Ain't no, ain't, you know, it's very rare that, you know, a Harvard grad or a Yale grad, you know, physician is about to come and work in a DMC in Detroit. You know what I mean? So, with that being said, at the, we're, we're cheated from the get-go. And I'm not necessarily saying that they receive a higher quality of education, but I'm pretty sure they do. They do. And those people are going to go where they're going to make the most money. They're going to go where they're going to get the most benefits. Right. So I remember my first semester when I started back school this year, a physician came to talk to our class and she was saying, I don't know, this is kind of scary, but she was like, all the good doctors don't come to low income. She was like, they go to, you know, the Cleveland clinics or or, or the, like, big, well-known hospitals and universities. They go to U of M. They're not coming here. They don't come to low income neighborhoods. She was like, so unfortunately, the people who, you know, the poorer people, their doctors and everything are subpar. Wow. So what's funny is I remember... Uh, I was on Obamacare, and I had to go to a physician who was in my network for a physical last year or the year before yeah. or some crap. And this guy was so ha- – he was just not great. He wasn't thorough. Like I mentioned, like a really subpar physical. I went because I was breaking out from something, and so I wanted to him to write me a prescription to go see a dermatologist. And – he ended up coming back in the room to check. First of all, the environment in and of itself was right. was yeah. dirty, wasn't presented well. You know, you felt like you were in the back of, you know, in a basement or something, the, the, the quote-unquote doctor's office. But anyway, and he, I remember him coming back and was reading my vitals, and he was like, oh, you got normal blood pressure. Like, he was shocked. <laughs> he was shocked by that. He was so, and so I know that he already kind of had his script. He was ready for the same old conversation yeah, about yeah. the same old chronic disease and illness. You need to lose weight. You got to get your blood pressure down. Your cholesterol is too high. Maybe you should try this. And here's a medication for type 2 diabetes. I'm so 
sure he was ready with his cookie cutter plan and for me to come in and not have any of these things that are off the charts he was like shocked like look at this anomaly walking in my office today and i believe that's what a lot of low-income families experience with mm -hmm. their health care mm -hmm. yeah and what's even another aspect to look at because you know my sister mina she's a labor and delivery nurse and she worked at um Oakwood Hospital for years, for mm -hmm. years. She finally got the day shift because when you're a nurse, you know, of course, they want to throw you a night shift. She finally got the day shift. She was doing day shift for the longest, and um, she ended up being interested in U of M. Her friend started there. Right. And um, she was just telling her all about the great benefits and this, this, and that, but all, of course, she had to go back to night shift, and she didn't really want to do that, but she finally went back to night shift. Okay. And she was like, it's the best decision I ever made. She said, I never have been more happier. Like the environment, she's like, everybody's happy. We're treated well. Everybody is so nice. She's literally been there either almost a year now or a year. Okay. She was only one day since she started. She was like, the only one day I have not felt like going to work. Only one day. Wow. She was like, every day at Oakwood, I didn't want to go to work. So the whole environment from, for the, the, workers from the staff on down to the patients well, we're right. going to treat our, our our workers better yes they'll treat you better you know what i'm saying yep. it's it's the whole thing yep the whole thing this is you of them you everything is quality yeah yeah everything we 10x everything and, and 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 it's just so true like all of our lower you know literacy education level the lower it is for you, it has a direct link to the type of health care you provide, but also the type of health you receive. You know, people who are maybe on fixed incomes or like minimum wage or just above minimum wage jobs, they don't have control over their time, right? They got to punch in and punch out according to somebody's schedule. You know, they don't have a lot of flexibility in their work schedule. A lot of times um, those communities also tend to have more children. And so, and then a lower education level, so they have less access to opportunities. They have less access to um, increase their earning potential because they have limited education, they have limited experience. And so they're kind of stuck in these circles. Um, and so it's directly linked to them having poor health off, just off the rip because they get less sleep. They have higher stress when they have financial stress. They have relational stress. They have work stress. Um, they have housing stress sometimes. And so your the, the amount of sleep you get, the quality of food you eat, the, the, you know, they're buying 26-cent pack of ramen noodles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like all a cycle. Like they can't get out the cycle. Like they're forced to buy the, you know, hot and ready's and the 99-cent menu because they don't have um, access to all these things. But then at the same time, that, that's the stuff that makes them sick. But then they can't afford, you know, more quality yeah, health care. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it makes me really sad that your wealth really, really, really does determine your health. Yeah. Um, and I try not to think like that. I try to think that we're equal. I try to think that. When I go into an office building, when especially even when they ask me, I get this feeling every time they, what kind of insurance do you have? Mm -hmm. I feel almost judged immediately, mm -hmm. um, even though I have great insurance, so I think. Mm -hmm. But you never know. 
know. You is never this, know. Is Blue Care, is, uh, is Blue Cross, which is that great? Right. Or is there, it's like you might think you have a MasterCard, and I think that was awesome. I'm like, oh, there's a black card. Oh, right. Oh, there's oh, an American oh. Express with no limit. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You ain't got that black boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I always feel a little bit like, okay, I have this. Am I, am I going to be able to get this? And I'm going to get and that. And that's and because you're probably... That? Um, doing better than the people you're around, the average, you know what I'm saying? Or you're doing guys kind of at the same level, but then you get in new circles and realize, ah, right? Like, right, yeah. I'm not even t- scratching the surface not even. on what's possible out here and the amount of freedom that you can get from being healthy. Um, finally, let's bridge the gap for him, Jay. Bridging the gap is our segment where we make the direct correlation between today's topic and your career as an entrepreneur or as a nine-to-fiver. With regard to your business, how does your wealth determine your health? In business, we've said it a thousand times, it is extremely important to pay very, very close attention to how you're feeding your body, um, the relationships that you're in, the sleep that you're getting, the things that you're drinking and eating, because as your income grows, your freedom grows. Um, Your responsibilities may get you know, influxed a bit and maybe, excuse me, maybe get inflated as your business grows, but so then does your income and so then does your freedom and so then does your access to higher quality care information. Because let's be honest, you know, your income level does definitely determine, you know, the quality of care you're able to receive. It definitely determines the quality of food you eat. It definitely determines the the people you surround yourself with with you know it's when they survey ceos of companies and founders of companies um their top one of the their top core values is always health and i've listened to a lot of interviews with a lot of founders and um one of the questions that's always asked is what is your biggest fear right now what is your biggest fear right now and there was like my health failing my health failing because i gotta be here to continue to knock this thing out the park i gotta be here because i'm running these companies and i'm responsible for other people's lives and families and incomes and you know we do in our society place a higher value on people that hold certain statuses if you run a company you there's more value placed on you than a janitor who cleans your office and so because technically you're you're responsible for making sure everybody below you eat that they're going right. home with a check every week or every two weeks and so um as you grow as an entrepreneur and as a professional you have to take care of yourself because you're responsible for your community. You know, if you're a black female entrepreneur and executive, you're responsible for literally inflating our economic ability by creating a brand, businesses, products, and hiring people that will help to contribute to the economic stability of our community. So mm-hmm. you are required to take care of yourself. It, it's, it's non-negotiable. Right. So as you move through this entrepreneurial space, don't think about just wanting to quit a nine to five. Don't think about just wanting to have the title as a founder. Don't, don't think about, you know, having a product or sitting in cer- certain circles with people, but think about your responsibility to your community to take care of yourself and, you know, work your way up to that $10,000 executive physical why not why not (laughs) i just wanted to give a few tips um you said enough for bridging the gap for the both of us but i wanted to give some tips before we uh we left i don't want you to be overwhelmed thinking that it's because i know people think of a thousand steps before they think of one i gotta lose a hundred pounds versus i gotta lose one pound i got so um just some actionable steps you can take starting today swapping out pop um, for water 
eating more greens instead of um, starches and uh, fried food, baked foods instead of fried foods. Things, things like this will begin to be preventative. It sounds small, taking the steps instead of the elevators. We all hear the commercials, but how many people implement these things? Mm -hmm. These are the things that affect your health, and it affects you every day if you do it day in or day out. So start being preventative, like right now, today. Right now, today, um, go through your cabinets. You don't have to know everything, but you know what's not good for you. Right. If, if you don't have the best insurance, you definitely, you, you, and I like to say to people, you are, you live, you sleep, you are with a doctor 24 hours a day, and that's you. No one knows your body better than you. You have the power to change the dynamics and the course of the way your health uh, goals for the rest of your life if you start today being actionary and intentional absolutely 100 percent. you know they're called um these big ceos and stuff and founders corporate athletes okay, they're corporate af i love that term i don't know why it's my i'm that's about to be under my name now lisa a. smith a corporate athlete founder for professional so <laughs> when you hear it it sounds like you're actually a corporate athlete like i really would picture you with gym shoes and like like i wouldn't even think about the fact that it's like no ceo like i'm i'm doing this corporate thing but i get it yeah yeah it's super dope um so remember guys there's a direct correlation um between your earning potential and intelligence and your health um there's a direct correlation between your sleep and your memory and your ability to perform and build and grow um and quite frankly it's expensive to be unhealthy it's extremely expensive to be unhealthy. So while you think it may cost more to be plant-based and while you think it may cost more to live a healthier lifestyle because it's very hard to beat 26 cents ramen noodles, please believe it's way more expensive to be unhealthy. It's just not about the food you have to buy, but it's about the medications. It's about the time off work. It's about the loss of quality time with your family. And it's about your inability to run a company or build a brand or to move up the corporate ladder so that you can make uh, opportunities for those that are coming behind you so it's way more expensive to be unhealthy so if you are in the market to get professionally fit and you want to jump start your corporate athlete career um, come on over to professionally fit go to www.professionallyfit.co and sign up for some executive coaching with with us we work directly with female entrepreneurs and executives to teach them how to do exactly what we're talking about to make their health a priority so that their brand and their businesses will grow accordingly and in line with them so again www.professionallyfit.co and we will help you take it to the next level until next time be well yes.